Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On this week's episode of Bucketheads, we re- recap Ohio State's wins over Niagara and Bowling Green, preview Xavier, talk about injuries, the Gavit games, and our real team, the St. John's Red Storm. My name is Connor Lamans, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Justin Golba. As we bring you episode 15 of Land Grant Holy Land's only college basketball podcast and one of the only basketball podcasts in the SB Nation family of sites. Justin, how has your week been so far? Good. Uh, this is episode 15, so that's about 13 more than I thought we'd go. So I'm in a pretty good mood right now. Yeah, I mean, we set the expectations so high when we got Chris Holtman on six episodes in when we really didn't even know how to do this that uh, I thought that for sure they would cancel the show by now. So here we are. We made it all the way to the season. We have a ton of stuff to cover in a very short period of, period of time tonight, um, especially because our beloved St. John's Red Storm are playing right now in the Gavit Games versus Indiana. We are recording this on today's Wednesday, so Wednesday night. It's almost ten o'clock, um, so we don't want to we don't want to miss too much of St. John's Indiana. So we'll we'll just get right into it. First off, Ohio State played Niagara on Friday night. Um, they won by ten, but it was a pretty tight game all the way up until the last few minutes. Yeah. Um, Niagara's a good team, and we kind of talked about, remember with Adam Jardy, we talked about Niagara and obviously Greg Paulus, and they're kind of on on a good, uh, I guess, ascension is what you'd call it. I just made that motion with my hand as if I'm not sitting in front of a computer. Um, but, you know, they Marcus Hammond is one of the better – I know you, you were there. You can touch on him a little more. But um, Marcus Hammond is one of the better guards they're going to see. Um, and, and they kind of – they kind of let him get out, you know. He kind of ran a mile race in 100 meters because um, he had 12 of his 22 points in the first four minutes. But, I mean, what did you see as you were there from Hammond? Uh, did they change anything on him to kind of slow him down, or, or was the other guys just not really stepping up too well? I actually asked Holtman that in the press conference. I asked him that specific question was basically like, hey, you know, Marcus uh, Hammond had you know 12 points in the first 
however many minutes, four minutes, something like that. He had 12 points in the first four minutes, and then I think he ended with 22, but so 10 points the rest of the way, which is still good, but he clearly couldn't keep up that pace. And I asked Holtman, you know, what did you do to kind of slow that down? And he pretty much just said, we had to double ball. We, we had no choice but to put two guys on him every time he had the ball in his hands um, and just force them force the ball out of his hands to somebody else. And if they can find them, you know, if they, if they can find the open guy and get a bucket, so be it. But he said after that first media timeout, he just told them double him every time the ball is in his hands. Um, so we'll see over time. If like, if Niagara is a, is a really good, you know, small conference team, like, are they going to end up, if they make if they end up making the tournament, as like a, you know, a 14 or a 15 seed, then in hindsight, you're like, okay, so Ohio state played a really good small team early in the season, or are they going to be like kind of crappy? And you're like, okay, that was just Ohio state playing poorly, which we don't really know that yet. Yeah. And it's, it's the same question we asked after Akron, you know, is this going to be a game we look back on and go, wow, it's actually a pretty decent win to start the season. Or is it going to go, man, they stink. Um, so we'll see. I, I think it'll, I think again, like I said about Akron, I think it'll be because Niagara, we're going to talk about this in Ohio State's next game. They play Xavier. Niagara and Xavier have played, uh, and Xavier beat them by three. So, you know, they, they've played, first of all, tough schedule for Niagara to start their season. But also, yeah. um, you know, they've, they've played these teams close. They haven't been blown out by anybody. So, you know, they're in a tough conference. Iona is the, is the big guy um, in, in the MAAC. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what they're able to do. But um, I, don't, I don't think, you know, they've scored 84. Obviously, we can transition to the Bowling Green game now um, to where they kind of looked a lot better. And I think that was kind of the, the game we were expecting to see from them. Uh, but Bowling Green, I do not think is as good as Akron or maybe even Niagara. So, um, but you know, they beat Bowling Green on what was that Monday or Tuesday? Monday, Monday. Uh, they beat them, you know, eighty nine to fifty eight. Kind of, kind of looked like the team we were expecting to see the first two games. But you know, sometimes these things take a little bit of time, some rust to wear off. I think it was Jamari Wheeler's best game by far. Um, I think Michi Johnson looked a lot better. I think guys are starting to get a little more comfortable in their roles, and obviously having Kyle Young back, nobody can talk about how important that is yeah bowling green was um yeah bowling green was what that was kind of what you'd expect to happen when a mac team comes to columbus to play them on their own court um the defense was noticeably more aggressive and more intense and the guys were um communicating really well on defense even when they were up you know 30 points towards the end there like they were still really going hard on defense so um, I did ask, you know, asked at the press conference too. It was Justin Arns and Eugene Brown were the two representatives asked, you know, was, was practice more defense oriented the last few days after you almost lost to Niagara and Akron, basically, um, how are the practices? And, you know, they, they, without saying too much kind of said, yes, it was more defensive focus the last few days. Um, and it showed in that game, they, they, they were just really good. They were just really aggressive. It was kind of like that guy, they're like five of that guy you play in the gym when you're playing pickup and he's just going really, really, really hard on defense. And you're like, all right, like, dude, call, like chill out, just chill hell out. It's just a game. Like all five of the guys on Ohio State's on, on the floor at any point were just like up in guys' faces, yelling out switches, um, closing out on the shooter every single time. Like throughout the whole game, it was just like clinic defense. Yeah, and, and, you know, when you look at – I mean, they held Daquan Plowden, who is Bowling Green's best 
score to zero points. Um, Robbie Hummel kind of mentioned it on on air. Uh, by the way, I love Robbie Hummel. He's so much fun to listen to. Um, I know our Purdue fans that listen to this because I'm sure we have a bunch of them will agree with me. Um, but uh, he was talking about Plout, and Plout has had kind of a tough start to the season in terms of shooting. But he's one of those guys where no matter what, he can just get his because um, he was still averaging 16 coming into the game. He just had nothing. He was 0 for 6, uh, didn't get to the free throw line. He had one rebound, zero points, and two turnovers. I mean, that's about as bad as you can get for a star player on the floor. Um, Trey Diggs is their other top player. He had three points. He had one three, and that was it. So, I mean, they really just zoned, zeroed in on those guys, and, and they just, I mean, they dominated from the jump. That The dunk by Eugene Brown to make it 15 to 4, in my opinion, was kind of a statement. Like, all right, we're going to blow this team out. And then we're going to move into our gauntlet of a of a next two week schedule. Yeah, the the assignment with with Plowden on Liddell, I think maybe got in his head a little bit. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure that Pl- I know he's an upperclassman. I don't know if he's a senior or not. But you've got you know this younger guy who gets all the hype in Liddell, knowing that you're going to get paired up with him. And that's what Bowling Green's coach said at the press conference too was that you know he thinks that the assignment with Liddell kind of got in his head. He was trying a little bit too hard to try to show out, you know, being paired up with him defensively. Um, but yeah, I Didn't mean, they work. just, they, they just put Bowling Green in a locker early and just stuffed him in the locker and closed it. It was like 22 to four at the second media timeout. There was like, with like eight minutes to go in the, in the half, I think Bowling Green had like eight points. It, it was just like, it was comical. And yeah. The natural response is, well, it's Bowling Green. Well, like, that's true, but you basically just played two teams very similar to Bowling Green as far as talent goes days earlier and almost lost. So it's not that it, just that it's Bowling Green. It's that Ohio State played much better defensively. Yeah, and you can't take these MAC teams for granted. I mean, the MAC is a very good conference. Now, granted, Akron is a top-tier MAC team this year, and Bowling Green is more in the 6-9 to nine range. Um, but – Nevertheless, even two years ago when they played Kent State, you know, Kent State wasn't in their best of years then. And it was a close game for most of the way. Uh, these Mac schools, they they know how to play these teams. They know how to, you know, Kent State, again, not in the, one of their best seasons. They just played Xavier, and they ran with them for 30 of the 40 minutes. So, you know, I don't think they're, I don't think you can ever say it's just Bowling Green. You can say things like, it's just NJIT. Like, okay, I get that one. But, in, you know, or whoever St. John's played that was the worst team in the country. No cupcakes. Um, but when it comes to a, a MAC school, you know, one of those conferences, um, I don't think you can really say that. I, I do think any MAC team could come out and beat any Big Ten team on a great night, obviously, um, as we saw with Akron. You know, Akron played a great game. Ohio State struggled and it was a close game. This game, Ohio yeah. State very clearly did not give Bowling Green that chance. Yeah, I mean, they just they improved so much defensively from – that game to this game and it's just it would be different if it was like you know maybe they started the season with you know like because michigan lost last night to seton hall shout out pirates if they had started the season with like say like seton say like seton hall and like ucla or something and they struggle and then they play bowling green you're like okay clearly they play better because it was it's just bowling green but ohio mm-hmm. state struggled with with small schools before that so they basically played a very similar caliber team and played much better just because they played better. Maybe Bowling Green just sucks, but they can't suck that much worse than Akron or Niagara. Like not that much worse. No, not thirty points worse. And um, exactly. I, th- I think. I think moving forward, Xavier. I mean, the next two weeks will tell us all we need to know about this Ohio State team with who they play, and we'll get into that 
here in a second, but um, I do think that this was the game they kind of needed. They couldn't. They they really couldn't struggle with Bowling Green. If they struggled again, it'd be like, oh, okay, this team's just kind of treading water at this point. Now they're swimming. Okay, now they're they're running some laps. They're swimming a little bit, and now it's time to to move into the deep end. I like that analogy. Which is Xavier? That'll be the start of the deep end of the pool. Yeah, that's like when you can like your toes can touch, but like you're you're like kind of keeping your chin above water, and then in about two weeks they'll be in about twelve feet of water. Um, and as our our resident super fan of TBT, zip them up, Xavier's TBT yeah. team. I'm sure you have some information on this year's Xavier team that you can share because I certainly don't. Yeah, JP McCurra's back. No, I'm just kidding. Um, that'd be something though. No, Xavier, they're they're a good team. As I said, they played Niagara and Kent State to start the season, which, you know, kind of similar to Ohio State, Akron, and, and Niagara. They only beat Niagara by three. Uh, granted, Niagara had a three at the end. It's kind of a six-point game, but still, they were there the entire way, and then they beat Kent State 73-59. to But again, like I said, that game, Kent led at the half. It was a close game. Uh, Xavier just kind of blew the doors off him in the second half. The biggest thing here is Xavier's best player is not playing. He's not going to play till probably 2022. Zach Fremantle. Uh, Ford, who averaged 16 points per game and nine rebounds per game last year for them. Um, he would obviously make a difference for Xavier in any game, but especially in this game because he's a big guy, because he's a guy that can kind of expose Ohio State's lack of size, which isn't as bad as it was last year, but still Joey Brunk doesn't play huge minutes right now. So it's still kind of just EJ Liddell and Zed Key when it comes to big guys and Kyle Young. Um, excuse me. So uh, they, they are led by... Uh, Colby Jones and Paul Scruggs, uh, who are very good scorers. Um, Scruggs was a unanimous choice on the all Big East first team. Uh, he's averaging 20 points per game, six rebounds per game so far in their two wins. Uh, Colby Jones is kind of a, a sophomore who's really starting to break out. Uh, he's averaging 17.5 and, and six rebounds per game. That's a lot of their scoring right there. I mean, that's almost 40 points per game, and they're only averaging um, – about 70. So when you look at this team, uh, those are the two guys you have to key in on. They have a Iowa transfer, Jack Nunji, who was one of the best radar, uh, probably one of the best, better transfers in the country. He, uh, he had 11 and six against Kent state. So, I mean, that's, you know, it's respectable. Um, he's not going to blow the doors off you, but he's a good player. The biggest thing is Zach Fremantle not playing. Um, he had served, he had foot surgery about a month ago, I think. So, um, that's just a really tough – this is Ohio State's first road game, so we'll be able to see them kind of in a new atmosphere. Um, but for the most part, this is a, I think this game is going to be kind of back and forth. Xavier is kind of like Ohio State. I don't think they're quite as talented, but Ohio State, as we know, you know they're down Seth Towns. Justice Suing probably is not playing, um, you know, which we can get into. But, you know, so Ohio State's still a little banged up. Kyle Young, we don't exactly know if he's on a minute limitation or what. You know, it's kind of hard to tell. Because the Bowling Green game, the minutes were way off because they were up by 50 to start the game, basically. So, I mean, Michi Johnson played the most minutes in that game. I don't think that's going to be a consistent as much as I love Michi. Um, so, it'll be very interesting to see. This is going to be – I think this will be the – there's this – whoa. This will be their first tough test of the season um, in terms of just what it should be. And, um, you know, and then it starts their pretty much insane gauntlet, which goes Seton Hall on Monday – then they will play either Florida or California on Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving. And then they will go play Duke on Tuesday, the 30th. And then they will play Penn State, Towson, and Wisconsin. So um, going to learn a lot about this team in the next three weeks because that's a pretty 
I mean, that's it's Penn State and Wisconsin are two of the lesser teams in the Big Ten, but it's still a conference game. Then obviously Duke, who looks great to start the season. And Seton Hall, I thought that'd be one of the lesser games of this stretch, but apparently Seton Hall's very, very good right now because they just I watched the whole Michigan game. They look fantastic. So very, very good on defense. So that's going to be a game where they're going to have to kind of bring it. I think this Xavier game could either lead them into a huge, nice momentum upswing, or if they lose, um, they could start a down a down was a down spiral that they do not need to go on right now. Yeah, um, not having justice suing huge. is it's huge. I mean, there's no there's really no way, way to, to it. yeah that like this team. I think what Holtman said is you know this this team's not going to be able to reach their max potential without justice suing. Well, and I, and I like what he said there because this team is very very good when they're all there, but when you pull one piece from the puzzle. It really affects, even if it's not a justice suing, it affects everything. But justice suing particularly affects that because he's that kind of Swiss Army knife. Yeah, it's uh, it's it, it's brutal, and there's not really any way to sugarcoat it. Um, we don't really have any information yet, but it's to me, it to me, it sounds more like a situation where he's probably going to end up getting shut down for a considerable amount of time. Uh, with no practices, workouts, things like that. If I had to guess, um, Ohio State was was kind of confusing in their terminology describing his injuries because back in March around the Big Ten tournament, and if you listen to the episode when we had Adam Jardy on, he kind of talked about that, that you know it wasn't publicized or put out too much, but he really was struggling with that groin injury. And if you've ever played basketball and you've ever – or if you've ever just tried to jump, just yeah. period – Move. having your muscles down by your your goodies um really sore playing basketball makes it really difficult so yeah. he never it sounds like he never really fully healed from that he was feeling better and then they said he had a lower leg injury for a while there and then now holtman i guess was saying no this is the same injury that was bothering him back in march so it sounds like maybe it's the same injury the whole time and it never fully healed so if a guy's still struggling to recover from injury that started eight months ago it, i find it very hard to believe that two or three days of rest is gonna he's gonna be ready to play against xavier that's seton hall um with muscle injuries you know it's it's more complicated than a bone you know you break a leg you break a, a foot and it's like okay you have eight weeks or whatever and then your bone should be fully healed a muscle you can re-aggravate it if it's not fully healed so you know we don't know when justice soon will be back on the floor but he's so vital to this team because he can do so many things. He can bring the ball up if you need him to bring the ball up. And with the limited experience they have in their backcourt, he probably would need to do that a little bit. If you need him to get big and battle with the threes and the fours and sometimes the fives, he can do that. If you need him to shoot threes or mid-range, he can do that. And he's one of the best probably slashing guys in the Big Ten as far as getting to the bucket and drawing fouls. So there's there's no way to sugarcoat it except that Ohio State is a better team with him on the floor. And whatever you think Ohio State's ceiling was with him on the floor, like with him on the team, you have to you have to pull that back. If you thought that Ohio State was like a top three or four team in the Big Ten with Justice Suing, you probably have to readjust because they're not that. If you thought that they were an Elite Eight type team with Justice Suing, you probably have to reassess because without him, they aren't that. They're, they're not going to get that far. Um, it's It's – it's uh, aside from EJ Liddell, it's probably like the worst injury they could have had. Yeah, because especially, you know, we definitely thought he was going to be the one to step up as that second score, 
you know, as valuable as Kyle Young is, that's never really been his guy, his, his role. You know, we've talked about Justin Arns and what we think he can be to what he's been. And it's just simply not, I mean, not that he looked pretty good. He's looked pretty good so far, but they just need him to be a little more aggressive. Uh, Malachi Branham is, is, is coming along nicely, but I don't think he's that second guy. And then Jamari Wheeler, Again, as good as he is, that's not his role. He's not going to sit here and get you 15 a game. They don't. Well, I didn't think they needed him to. Now they might, but uh, it's just not what he's going to give you. He's going to give you his exact stat line against Bowling Green is exactly what they need from him, which is about five assists, six points, five rebounds. One, you know, he only had one turnover. He didn't have any steals, but uh, that's pretty much what they need from Jamari Wheeler. Not 15 points per game. Maybe Zed Key. Maybe Eugene Brown, depending on how much. I mean, he played 21 minutes against Bowling Green, had 12 points. He shot it well. Again, hard to really that's, look at those numbers and in, in, yeah, in minutes. At, he, that's, again, he's, he's, that's, that's the, the second most thinking, minutes. That's the guy that I'm thinking, and and we're a very pro Eugene Brown podcast for sure. Have um, to be the biggest pro Eugene Brown. We're podcast. very very pro Eugene Brown, but I mean, when you think of guys on the bench that maybe kind of compare to what Justice Suing can do. Maybe it's Eugene Brown, but like the Aldi version of Justice Suing, like he's not going to even get close to what he can do. But I mean, Eugene Brown can shoot it. He is probably a better defender than Justice Suing is already. He's he's a very good defender, but he doesn't really have the authority to like put the ball on the ground and drive to the basket quite like Justice Suing does. You know, we've seen like the fast break dunks and stuff, which I'm not going to say that anybody can do that. But you know what I mean? Like a play designed for Justice Suing to get the ball off a screen, dribble into the paint, and score. That's not really Eugene Brown's thing. He's more of a jump, a jump shot kind of guy. And then if he gets the run out on numbers, maybe like a dunk. Um, but you know, maybe he's a guy that will get more minutes. It's just it just further proves the point. As you're listing out players, you're like, who could maybe pick up some of these minutes? As you're listing out players, none of those guys can do the things that Justice Suing can do. And even when you're saying it out loud, you're like, oh, maybe if we put Eugene Brown in the lineup, you're not as, as confident as you would be if you had Justice Suing in the lineup. It's just, you know, it, it, it's going to, we'll, we'll find out probably in the next week or two exactly how bad it is and how long he'll be out. Uh, Adam Jardy asked Holtman if he thought it was going to be season ending. And he said he doesn't think it's a season ending injury, but between you and me, he didn't seem positive about that. It didn't. He didn't say that with any conviction. Um, so I mean, it could be a very, very long injury. We could be missing him for quite some time. Um, it's 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 just brutal. Yeah, I mean, Eugene Brown is like if you want justice doing what your mom says, we have justice doing at home. You know, I mean, it's not it's not bad, but he's just not what justice doing brings. Um, and I think that they're not really designing plays for him, you know, like they will just assuming the biggest one that stands out is, is probably Malachi Branham just because he's already shown that kind of confidence. The big question mark is Cedric Russell, just because we kind of thought he could be that coming into the year. But I mean, even against Bowling Green in a blowout, he didn't score and he only played seven minutes. Harrison Hookfin almost played as much as him. So, you know, it's, it's really hard to see where Russell is right now. Right now he's nowhere. He's not on this rotation. He's not in this rotation. Um, Jimmy Soto's doubled his minutes, so I, it, we'll we'll see over the next two weeks because who you play in these games is who's who you're playing. You know, this is your rotation. As uh, exactly. you know, as Jardy talked about, this is one of the deeper teams in the country, so it's it's helpful. But 
again, when you're looking at this, this team, it's just, it's hard to look at it and go, who is that second guy? And I mean, look, I would be remiss if I wasn't watching the Akron and Niagara game and saying, I really miss Dwayne Washington Jr. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was a headache sometimes for sure, but also he was a headache that was worth it. <laughs> He's one of the streakiest. He's one of the streakiest shooters that I think I've seen in my life. Because oh, yeah. I mean, probably one of the at least in the Big Ten in a long time. Because he will brick like four or five in a row, and you're like, man, this guy sucks. He needs to stop shooting. And then the very next game, you know, he's just like flush it, and he'll just drop thirty points for you. Hit like five straight threes that are like cockeyed at an angle, shooting off of one leg, crazy, just crazy shit. And you're like, okay, I mean, we'll 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 live with it. We'll, we'll live with the ups and downs. Yeah, he always had a similar kind of vibe to William Buford for me. They're not the same player, but Buford would be like that where I'm like, dude, stop shooting the ball. And then sometimes I'm like, please don't stop shooting the ball. You're like, okay, so. you've earned you've earned my trust, I guess. I think this will yeah. be – I think the Xavier game will be a huge game for, for Zed Key. Pay attention for Zed Key. I do too. I do too. They're not, they're not a big team. He can have some fun down low. I'm skeptical of Jack Nungy if you watch Iowa. Like he was yeah, a role he's, player he's, he's, he's average. He's average. He's a, he's a tall string bean. He he yeah. like he was a reserve at Iowa. I'm pretty sure that he had back to back seasons where he had his season cut short for like a season ending injury. He's like seven foot, but weighs the same amount as Zed Key does. He's like seven foot two thirty, whereas Zed Key's like six eight two thirty or two forty, or he may even be more than that. Um, Zed Key scored double digits in all three games so far. Um, so maybe Zed maybe Zed Key is going to be like your go to guy. I think over the next couple games, if he regresses we'll realize that it was just level of competition. But um, he scored in double digits in all three games. He had a double-double, and he was one rebound away, I think, from having a double-double in the BG game. So we'll see on Jack Nungy where he gives a few inches, but he's basically the same He's the same weight as him. He's just he's beefier. Um, pay attention to him because if you get Jack Nungy in trouble – um, in foul trouble, you've got Zed Key, you've got E.J. Liddell, Kyle Young. Ohio State's not got a ton of height. Like, they don't have, like, a Kofi Coburn type of center. Joey Brunk doesn't count. I don't care if he's seven feet. Like, he's really not very good. But they have got – they've got some beef. Like, they've got some guys that combine, like, the six 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 seven, and they get up there close to 240 pounds that is a challenge to defend. Yeah, and Kyle Young's also the question mark because – while his role isn't as much of a scorer, he if you've watched him throughout his career at Ohio State, he has come an unbelievably long way. I mean, at one point, he was a liability on offense. Now he has pretty much the full package. He played 13 minutes against Bowling Green. It was four for five. You know, very, very um, just respectable. You know, I don't think he, he didn't have to play too much. They probably didn't want him to play too much. But he looks smooth. He looks he smooth, looks, man. He looks really smooth. And especially, like you said, when you're playing these teams that aren't big, they're just tall. He knows how to get over top guys. He knows how to make things happen in the paint. He loves that little floater from seven feet that he can kind of jump hook. Um, you know, he he's a he, he's a guy who can give you twelve to fourteen a game. It's just I think with a top team when they start to zero in on Liddell, you're gonna need somebody to get you maybe sixteen or eighteen. That was where Washington came in last year. And looking at this roster, I don't see it. Um, yeah, yeah, Kyle, always, yeah. Kyle Young's fun. not gonna be. They're not going to drop a ton of plays for Kyle Young. I'll say Kyle Young, as far as like speed and like, I don't know, I don't know if perkiness is the right word, like head up energy kind of thing. Um, he had like a, a nice little reverse layup against BG. He had a dunk off a lob from, from Jamari Wheeler 
but it was like on a fast break. So like Kyle Young sprinting the floor with Jamari Wheeler. So like, that's good to see a guy that is coming off of two concussions and a vestibular dysfunction, whatever that is. And we're all concerned with his health. Uh, he, he looks conditioned very well. He looks like he's ready to go, but you are correct. Like he's not a go-to scorer, but he, I mean, he looks like he could really give them big minutes against Xavier. He might have to Holtman said, you know, as far as conditioning goes, he said, if Kyle needs to play 30 minutes for us on Thursday, you he's know. conditioned to play 30, 35 minutes. He's like, he's, he needs to shake the rust off though, with like his jump shot and stuff like that, just cause he hasn't played. But as far as conditioning and like, is there a limit on minutes? The training wheels are off. Like he'll play as many minutes as they need. And I want to see it from, from Arns. I want to see, I want to see a game. They just let him lose. I think he can do more than they're letting him do. I think he can shoot the ball more than he is. And look, we everyone keeps I keep hearing he's he's John Diebler reincarnated. Well, John Diebler at games he put up 20, 25, 30. Arns hasn't really had those. He's been consistent and he shoots the ball better than literally anybody in the country. But these eight point games, nine point games are just not. Uh, I don't think that's what I think he has more potential than that. I, I want to see more from him. Um, I want them to just take again. It feels like there's training wheels on him. Take him off. Let him go and see what he can do. I mean, he only shot the ball four times against Bowling Green. I, yeah, and a couple that of those, it felt a like a game those, where you could have let him loose. A couple of those two were like we were talking about previously. Like you know, he needs to he needs to take some shots with a guy in his face. Like he's so, yeah, he's good enough know, to do so, it. I mean, we're so and he took a few shots like that against Bowling Green and Candom. Like where you know you get it and somebody's closing out on you really quickly, where you know that when you shoot it. It's, you know, it's not going to be a block shot, but like they're going to be up in your grill by the time you release it. And a lot of times he'll pass on those. And against Bowling Green, he hoisted a few of them and canned them. He only played 18 minutes, but that's because they were up by, they were up by 30 minutes in the second half. So at that point, you know, Holtman pretty much sat the starters and just let them, you know, rest the second half. Yeah. You, the minutes are tough to, are tough to take seriously in a game like that, but same with Kyle. Young. Yeah. I, I just want, I just want to see it. I just want to see it from him. And I think, cause I think he has it and I think he can bring that. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's going to have to have. You know, he's a senior. He's a captain. He's going to have to have a big game on Thursday, which is when this is coming out on Thursday. So it'll be tonight, I guess. Obviously, that game against Xavier is part of the Gavit Games, which is an eight-year contract that went from 15, 2015 to 2023. Um, big East and Big Ten plays every year. Uh, big Ten's never lost. They've never lost the Gavit Games. They've tied it three times. They've won it twice. The Big Eight, the Big East has never won the Gavit Games outright. They won the first four games this year. The Big East. They, I, I'm trying to think of the, all four of them. Prov- Providence beat Wisconsin. Seton Hall beat Michigan. Um, Marquette beat Illinois, which I want to Marquette point out. Call on that Connor, because you were low in Illinois and people went after you, and now Illinois stinks and it's fun to watch. I think Illinois is really good. I think they're going to be a very good team, but like yeah, they, they need to. There's no, there's no Kofi in that game. I think Andre Illinois Cabello really was hard good. to watch. Honestly, I, I love Andre Cabello, but holy crap, to pass the ball. I mean, that was that yeah, was, that I didn't was catch brutal. any of that game. And then what was the fourth one that is escaping me? Uh, um, I looked. I looked it up before this too. Uh, Justin, Justin. I have the Wikipedia page up here somewhere. I can probably tell you what it was. Seton Hall beat Michigan. We'll get to it in a second. Seton Hall beat Michigan. Marquette beat Illinois. Providence beat Wisconsin. And then, hold on, come on now. And then it is. Oh yeah, Creighton beat Nebraska last night. Um, which honestly, Nebraska looked really good. It was kind of fun. Nebraska 
really impressed me. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's Nebraska. They look good, and then they lost one of their better players for the season. So they can't really catch a break. They were down like 20 points and cut it all the way back to one. They may have even taken the lead at one point. So I think, I mean, I think Nebraska is going to be, I don't think they're going to be like an easy victory like they have been previously. But um, so the Big East won the first four tonight, which when this when this episode comes out, it'll be last night, technically. Uh, Michigan State just beat Butler. So now Big Ten is one and four. And Indiana and St. John's are playing right now. And Indiana is up 12 points in the first half on St. John's. That could potentially be two wins, which means that tonight, Ohio State needs to beat Xavier and Rutgers needs to beat DePaul. And they could come back from down 4-0 and salvage a split potentially. Which I think they will. So we'll see. I think that Rutgers is going to be okay. And DePaul is a joke. They always have been. It looks like Indiana, if they don't blow this, they will win. So it'll come down to probably Ohio State Xavier. Yeah, which, as we said, should be a very good game. Make sure you tune in. Bill Raftery on the call. Can't miss it. Um, what else do we got going on here? I think we're pretty much is it. Pretty much it. Um, we have two. We have we do have two commitments coming up of guys that have Ohio State in their top list, uh, but neither are expected to pick Ohio State. But we'll just touch on it real quick. Reed Shepard, uh, one of the top uh, guards in the twenty twenty three class. Um, is deciding on his college commitment on Friday. He is pretty much kind of not locked in, but a lot of people do believe he's locked in to head to Kentucky. Um, he's from Kentucky. He's just everything about him has kind of been leading Kentucky. Um, so a lot of people do think that he's going to Kentucky, best player in the, in the, uh, in, in the state of Kentucky in the 17th overall prospect in the 2023 class. So it would be nice to get, but he, um, like I said, he's doing that on Friday. Most people do believe that is going to be a commitment for Kentucky. And then you have top 25 prospect, Steph- uh, Stefan Castle. I think it's Stefan, maybe Steven. I don't know. Never met him. Um, <laughs> he's done. He's, he's, uh, he's number 27 overall prospect in the 2023 class. He's committing on Saturday. A lot of people expect him to head to Auburn. Uh, his his commitments is down to Arkansas, Auburn, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Ohio State, and UConn. Which, like, looking at that list, I think Ohio State have a pretty good shot. A weird list for a top twenty five recruit in the country to have Georgia Tech and UConn and Georgia in there. But um, he is from Georgia, so I guess that makes sense. But a lot of people think he's going to Auburn. Um, he didn't actually. The only two schools on that list he didn't visit were Ohio State and Georgia Tech. So Ohio State's kind of behind the eight ball on that. But again, it's it's. Even if they don't get either of those guys, it's two top 25 prospects that they've made the final list for. So, you know, the, the recruiting tend, uh, continues to be at a high level for Ohio State Hoops. Yeah, and then, I, mean, I don't think we've talked about they picked up a, a guard in 2023, their first 2023 recruit, George George Washington. I think he's the third. Um, yeah, George, who's a very, very talented top, player. Top 50 guy out of Louisville. Um, so that's a good start for that class. Um, yes, I think that's pretty much. And they're it. gonna need some. They're gonna need some guards in that class. So they, I mean, they might. We don't really know what they're still gonna have. You potentially still could have. It's hard to tell with all the COVID stuff of what you will or won't have. Because yeah. you potentially, assuming guys don't leave, you have Michi, you have Bruce Thornton, you have Roddy Gale, you have Malachi Branham. So there's four guys right there. But then you don't know who's gonna transfer, who's gonna try to go early, that kind of stuff. Yeah, the COVID stuff makes it really tricky. Really have no idea. Shout out to. Former UCLA and St. John's head coach Steve Lavin, not only for predicting Seton Hall to beat yeah. Michigan last night, but for following me on Twitter at some point between 1 a.m. and 7 a.m. last night, 
appreciate the, the, the follow Steve Webb and come on the pod. That's actually hilarious. I woke up this morning. I woke up this morning and it said, I think I might've woke up in the middle of the night and saw it and was like, yeah, whatever. I'm going back to sleep. It said Steve Levin is now following you on Twitter. It's like, okay. There you go. Potential friend of the pod, Steve Lavin. We'll have him on because yeah. we are a St. John's podcast, always have been. Yes, correct. St. John's podcast that briefly touches on Ohio State basketball. It. So that will about do it for us today. If you are finding us on the website, please remember to subscribe wherever you get your music and podcasts. We will continue to release new episodes every Thursday as well as press conferences as often as we are able to do so. So for most of the home games, so keep an eye on those as well. Yep. And um, also don't forget to, if you are listening, to leave us happy reviews. It helps us. It puts us higher on lists and stuff like that. So that'd be kind of cool. Um, but if you don't like us, just don't say anything at all because that hurts and we don't want that to do that so you know if you don't have anything to say then just don't say anything at all yeah exactly because i know i'm perfect so if you don't like us i mean i know it's connor's fault so um if you want to follow along on the twitter machine you can follow the podcast at bucketheads lghl um the web that's we're getting much more active on that now with the season starting so make sure to follow that the website um main main twitter sorry is at landgrant 33 where you can find every bit of great content we put out Myself, I'm at Justin underscore Golba. And Connor, where are you outside of at your house? I am here in Columbus, Ohio. But if you want to follow me on Twitter, it is at Lemon, which is L-E-M-O-N-S, just like lemons underscore Connor. Please be nice. That will do it for us today. We'll see you all next week. Go Bucks, beat Xavier. And on the gridiron, beat MSU. <laughs>